0: Welcome to The Point. I'm Mindy Todd. Today, healthy living. According to the Centers for Disease Control, chronic diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, and cancer are responsible for seven out of every 10 deaths in the U.S. and are driving up the cost of health care and severely compromise the quality of life for those affected. What's even more alarming is that the number of people with chronic disease is rapidly increasing, and by 2025, it's estimated that nearly 164 million Americans, nearly half the population, will be diagnosed with a chronic condition. The good news is that these diseases are often preventable and can be managed through early detection, improved diet, and exercise. Dr. Kamara Siddhartha, also known as Dr. Sid, is an internist and primary care physician who's adopted a whole health approach in the treatment and prevention of chronic disease in his patients. His book is All My Secrets, Messages of Health from Your Body Decoded. Welcome back. It's so good to see you. It's been a while.
1: Good morning, Mindy. Happy to be back in the show. Good morning to all listeners.
0: So um, you are a practicing MD as an internist and primary care physician. Nutrition, exercise, and stress management probably did not make up a significant part of your medical school curriculum. So how did you get interested in the benefits of a plant-based diet and whole health approach to treating patients?
1: Yes you're correct. It was not part of the training uh, when we went through med school um and uh, still there is more much more room for improvement on those trainings uh, originally twenty years ago i did um i did randomly come across um on a on a, on a, on a news news article uh, about um food plant based food and health which I never come across in all my trainings so that kind of picked my interest. To, to really know, like, how did we miss that? Did I not pay attention to that in the trainings? <laughs> but, and then, I re, you know, because it was not part of the training. So I uh, started to learn myself after that, and uh, you know, trying to read up and also attending um, what we call as continuing medical education seminars, uh, which, was, which were sparse in those days when I'm, I'm talking like 20, 21 years ago, years ago. Uh, But they are more more happening more these days. So uh, so a lot of it is learning learning uh, along the way, and then uh, and then I went on to um, do a master's in public health nutrition at the UMass uh, Amherst Mm -hmm. uh, Department of Nutrition School of Public Health, which also enhanced. the, the knowledge and what we need to do for the population
0: so did you change your own diet as you were learning this or I mean, for some reason I just always think of you as always having a plant-based diet but was this an... no
1: I was not uh, growing up I was not always on a plant-based diet uh, so yes um, after the the understandings um, gradually um, I shifted to eating more and more plant-based um, originally um, I was still um, you know it, when I came to Cape Cod, believe me or not, that is when I actually I fully switched. Mm, it was, okay. yeah, it was 2002.
0: So the book is Conversations with Nine People and Their Bodies, fictional yet based in fact, right? So how did you come up with this idea?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm always trying to teach uh, patients um, about paying attention to the body's um, messages and signals, uh, because that is... There's a lot of communication that happens uh, within our cells. Um, every test result uh, that um, we all, you know, get tested with and we have a blood report, um, every x-ray is a message from the body. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, every symptom and, and a sign that is picked up by a physician is a message from the body. So um, just... Um, so all along, I think I had I had that in my radar, and I wanted to uh, kind of put that into um, as a key part of the story itself by having characters, and I also wanted to share the stories of my own patients from the past um, with fictitious names, of of course. Uh, so I, I I thought this giving this structure allowed to achieve both both the uh, um, yeah. goals.
0: One of the things I like about it first, you go wait a second. You're having this conversation with your body, but it, it's great because there's a lot of there's a lot of science in here. There's a lot of information, and so you can go whoa, I'm getting a little overwhelmed reading this. But then all of a sudden, the conversation, the patient says, "So let me see if I got this right, right?" So you summarize. Right? <laughs> so we're taking all this in, and then we get this little summary, which is is great because we get the the takeaway there, um, and there. It, a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of science, a lot of things in here. I did not know that. I went, whoa, you know, good to good to know that, right? So, um, a couple things. You recommend a plant-based diet, um, and you make a conscious choice to call it plant-based diet, not vegetarian or vegan. Why is that?
1: Yeah, and and to be more precise, it's whole food, plant-based diet, uh, and they are they have a specific um, meaning because they represent what the science shows, right? So calling it a vegetarian, it means that it can be uh, processed food; it can have dairy and eggs in it. Um, so that still doesn't fully represent the um, the ideal. Um, Diet that is shown in the data to be helpful um, in all the systems that we're talking about here, and even a vegan diet. I mean, um, there are cookies out there that are vegan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if a fried food, a plant food that is fried, uh, still is harmful, it can it can be called vegan. So calling it um, whole food captures that it is not processed, mm-hmm. and then calling it plant based. Basically, say it's that the origin is coming from plants. So putting that whole food plant-based, I think, gives the sense of um, what the data is showing, what type of diet is represented in this
0: conversation. Dan just whispered in my ear, Oreos. Oreos are vegan. Exactly. <laughs> Not the best Oreo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and now this, we're going to get into some of the benefits, but this isn't an easy transition. And Last thing you were, you were on, it was quite a while ago, and I was all inspired. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do a plant-based diet. I didn't last very long. And I think trying to do too much at once is probably... The bad thing, but you say if you can, it's like six weeks to six months for your taste buds to adapt. So you gotta, I guess, maybe take a little bit at a time here, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think it the 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 way people um, do the transition and changeover and shift the diets uh, varies depending upon uh, everybody's individual uh, style, uh, capability. Uh, and how they, their own world accommodates that, how easy is it is in their own world to do that. Right. Um, but generally, I think um, it's been known that when we are used to a certain diet growing up um, and if they are uh, processed um, high in fats, sugars and salts, and um, then our taste buds threshold is to send a signal to the brain that this is feeling good that threshold is raised high when it's when the foods are super saturated with fats and, and processed foods and sugars. So uh, during the transition, um, the next time somebody is eating a carrot, for example, uh, it's not hitting that threshold. So it doesn't feel as pleasurable initially uh, until... Um, that transition happens yeah. uh, so you you so, got to bring
0: that threshold down
1: yeah exactly and yeah. the body does it amazingly i think we just need to give it a chance yeah. uh, to do that
0: and i told you a story it, this um i don't remember the book but um we my husband and i tried this it was a i think it was a week or so we ate, like very little salt mm-hmm. and at the end of that i ate a, a goldfish cracker and to me, it tastes like pure salt. Now, it didn't taste like that a week before. That's exactly right. But, so, but, yeah, so yeah. You, you just have to, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, give, and give it a and that
1: speaks to the body's ability to kind of just bounce back um, mm-hmm. quickly from, from years of conditioning. Yeah.
0: So can you explain what happens biologically when people consume more fruits, vegetables, and nuts instead of animal-based foods? That's a big question, I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that is, be like, refer to my book. You know, that's one way to say it. But um, So there is a lot goes on in that, but I would say the highlights of that is that um, by choosing whole food plant-based ingredients, vegetables, fruits, beans, lentils for protein, whole grains, and maybe a little bit of nuts and seeds, What we're doing is, number one, we're introducing um, a lot of dietary fiber, which helps the gut bacteria, the friendly gut bacteria, which is, you will come to know more about it when we discuss this Mm -hmm. and read the book, that how much, uh, how big a role it plays in the gut bacteria. Uh, So it helps that, the dietary fiber. The nutrients that are brought in by these foods um, the um, what we call as antioxidants and, and phytonutrients or plant nutrients or phytochemicals, um, these um, play a huge role in many of the systems and diseases. Um, and um, additionally, there are, there are certain um, elements that are... So when we have a, a portion of the plate covered by these foods, that means the, these foods have taken up the space of other foods which could be processed and high fats and high animal animal products and animal protein, right? So, so reducing those also reduces um, inflammation, what we call as inflammation in the body. Uh, so that chronic long-term inflammation goes down. Um, so this combination of f- fewer or less inflammation, more antioxidants, more uh, plant nutrients, higher level of uh, dietary fiber helping the gut bacteria, all of this is few of the highlights of how, right. how this happens.
0: Right. So go into the gut bacteria for a second. Some people go, well, no, I take probiotics. I'm okay. But you write in the book that so really a temporary thing, taking those probiotic pills or whatever. That, yeah, that's not so, a so
1: exactly. I give an analogy. It's like sowing seeds. Yeah, we right, sow right. seeds. We don't sow seeds all year. right? Sowing seeds happens only for a short time. But the more important thing is to actually... Um, Create the right environment in the in the ground in the soil, uh, to for the seeds to grow. Right. So so probiotic capsules you could take um, for for a week or two, but then uh, eating the dietary fiber uh, is going to be helpful to make sure and enough hydration. All of this is going to help for those um, bacteria to grow. Um, and honestly. For the most part, just uh, we, you know, just going back to eating more whole-food, plant-based diets, uh, f- adding fermented foods like sauerkraut and things like that, they all help um, to, to kind of grow the bacteria that we already have. We don't necessarily have to go for probiotic mm-hmm. capsules. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you talk about misconceptions uh, in the book. Talk about concerns of, of somebody switching to a plant-based diet over the concerns they're not going to get adequate protein, calcium, or other nutrients. Our whole thinking on this has changed.
1: Absolutely. So that that misconception uh, still remains, um, um, unfortunately, uh, but it is very well documented that um, somebody who's eating a whole food plant-based diet uh, can eat more than enough of the protein that they require, even if their protein requirements are higher, um, as in some states, like an athlete, Mm -hmm. a bodybuilder, somebody who's pregnant. Um, so all these situations where is, are examples of where the protein need may be higher than an average person's. Even in those situations, you can knock it off the park with a whole food plant-based diet mm-hmm. with regard to protein. Similar thing with calcium again. Calcium needs can be met with uh, enough leafy greens and beans and legumes added. And and uh, the thought about calcium is usually kind of equated with bone health. Uh, And that that is another little myth there is that uh, for bone health, it is not just the calcium. There is a a whole slew of other nutrients that are needed. Uh, So there is no single MBP uh, most valuable player when it comes to calcium and bone health. Uh, it's it's usually you need other nutrients as well. So when we eat a greens and beans uh, combination regularly, uh, we get not only the calcium, but we also get the magnesium, the vitamin K, um, and, and all of that that is needed for bone health.
0: Yeah. What about, I, I'm just thinking, I remember years ago, somebody had suggested I take calcium, and then uh, I had a doctor said, well, you can't just take any old calcium. You, you, you got to know what, which kind of calcium your body absorbs. And is it, Better to get that from what you're eating rather than synthetic vitamins.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you get more, uh, yeah. So um, you mentioned uh, calcium, and a lot of people think of milk, uh, cow's milk in particular, right? The cow's milk is not so great, I w- according. To you, but tell, tell us about that connection with kids and cow's milk and the gene for diabetes type one.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, cow's milk are designed for cows and baby cows. Um, so when we, historically, thousands of years ago, uh, we started to introduce it, um, then um, it has been, there are some, some illnesses that has been showing up throughout history um, where the, the dots were not connected as much or talked about. Uh, and one of them is um, the, the the type 1 diabetes that has been well documented. Uh, when somebody has a gene uh, for developing juvenile diabetes, um, just having the gene alone is not going to manifest as an illness for that kid, uh, but they need to have an exposure to a, a, an outside protein which um, the body thinks, um, that is, um, um, thinks that it is, it resembles, it thinks that is it is an outside agent and it tries to mount an immune response to attack it. And when that happens, what we call as um, autoimmune diseases, um, what happens, and, and that, that situation is technically, we call it molecular mimicry because uh, there is an identity um, crisis that happens there where the body's immune system, which now saw this milk protein coming in, saw it as an outside a agent, and it mounted an immune response to attack it, the same immune system looks at the pancreas and it sees exactly similar looking protein there which is a pancreatic cell that produces insulin um, so it starts to attack the pancreas as well mm-hmm. so it, it's in, in, as long as the it looks similar it's going to attack it. Yeah so that uh, that's called that's the essence of autoimmune diseases where it's a self injury immune system attacking your own tissues so that's one example of how uh, a dairy protein which is which is not uh, a human it's outside coming in the body you know, sees it as an outside uh, protein and starts to mount an immune response It can lead to damage. There are other, other diseases outside of this is also possible. Many of the my patients where I see uh, allergy issues, uh, mucus, sinus issues, uh, ear infections, asthma, uh, many of these triggers that can be connected back to how the gut bacteria balances our immune reaction, uh, our immune tolerance, all of that is governed by gut bacteria and gut um, gut health and, and dairy protein can, uh be having a negative, negative impact on that.
0: Yeah. So, so like I said, a lot of science and a lot of you talk about a lot of the research that backs up a lot of this in the book as well. Uh, we are talking with Dr. Siddhartha. His new book is All My Secrets, Messages of Health from Your Body, Decoded. 866 4626 is our number. That's 866 4626 Our email address, thepoint at Capeandislands.org. We'll talk more after a quick break. You're listening to The Point. We are talking about healthy living and the benefits of a plant-based diet with Dr. Kumar Siddhartha. His new book is All My Secrets, Messages of Health from Your Body Decoded. 866-999-4626 is our number. If you'd like to join the conversation, that's 866-999-4626. Our email address, thepoint, at capeandislands.org. Love to hear from somebody who's changed to a plant-based diet and how they're feeling about that. One of the things that um, we mentioned, the the nine different uh, people that you talked, touch on in the book, um, who are based on real people, but you've changed their names. I think everybody can relate to at least one of those people. They're all different ages. And that's something I wanted to mention, because you have a story of a, I think she was 83-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Th- this can be done at any age. This doesn't, is not just younger people we're talking about.
1: Absolutely. And that's the that's the biggest hope I saw during, during the career of working with these patients, that Anybody at any age can start to make the change and start to feel the difference um, of the positive difference of the energy, uh, symptoms and uh, improvement, and uh, just feeling the energy and vigor and uh, the quality of life. Uh, So yeah, one of those characters uh, of uh, that patient was, um, she was in her 80s when she changed and um, she was developed what is called as the angina, um, chest pain Mm -hmm. related to blockage in the artery. And um, She would not uh, be able to walk uh, even a block without an angina uh, happening, Um, and uh, she chose to uh, uh, not go for the procedures that were recommended because of at that point she didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But she would switch to the diet, and um, she was able to walk for. Without yeah. getting the angina, the yeah. miles, yeah. So. All
0: right, this is going to shock people. Some diseases have genetic li- genetic links, but you've said that even if you have a gene that predisposes you to disease, changes in lifestyle can turn off and on genes. Explain how this works.
1: Yes. So uh, the field the field of epigenetics uh, that has been uh, been evolving over the past two decades has uh, shined uh, so much light on this issue. Uh, so genes or, you know, hereditary traits that we carry through generations. Uh, and we clearly know now that um, other aspects of exposures, such as food um, and stress levels, can determine whether that gene is going to fully manifest as the disease it was meant to create or not. And we have seen that not just in one particular disease. Uh, It it has been shown in many things. Like we just talked about type 1 diabetes, right, in in juvenile diabetes. It has been shown in Alzheimer's dementia. It's been shown in Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Uh, You know, many of the diseases that have genes uh, connected to an illness uh, now has been shown that um, not everybody gets that. So studies have been done using uh, identical twins who carry exactly the same pair of genes One gets a different exposure to a different diet, and they have a different outcome. Um, Genes, um, families who emigrate to a new country, same gene pool, new exposures, different outcomes. So many, many varieties of studies have proven that um, genes don't control the outcome. It's the exposures that does, and there are a very tiny percentage of of illnesses and individuals out there where... um, Genes have a, a predominant effect. For breast cancer, for example, um, around 10% of breast cancers are dominantly decided by genes. The remaining 90% uh, are determined by lifestyle exposure.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Let's talk to Catherine, who's giving us a, a
2: call from Rockport. Hi, Catherine. Hi.
1: Hi.
2: Hello. Hi, hi. I just have a quick question, and you might have already said it, but um, what would be the best approach in? Uh, to getting off cow's milk and using like goat's milk to prevent prevent rheumatoid arthritis flare up.
1: So um, there are, I would I would suggest uh, anything that has animal protein in the milk is um, more likely to continue the um, problem. So if you are trying to use milk for your um, your food purposes, and um, you're used to that uh, way of um, eating, um, then you would want to switch to a non-dairy option that is plant-based because the protein um, that is coming from plant, whether it is an oat milk, for example, or almond milk, uh, there are different types of uh, non-dairy milks out there now, but the protein in it, uh, the makeup of the protein, the building blocks that makes the plant protein um, is different from the makeup of an animal protein and that matters a lot in terms of um, how the body reacts to it, whether it's going to get inflammation, whether there is a risk of cancer or not. All of this matters based on the makeup of the protein so uh, so based on that um, whether there is the building blocks made of sulfur or not, so there's too much details into that, we won't go there now, but the bottom line is Switching to a non-dairy option of plant origin uh, for your food purposes is a better
0: option. Yeah. And one of the things you want to look for when you're looking like, say, almond milk is sometimes they have flavored and you want to look at the sugar content. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Dorothy is giving us a call from Sandwich. Hi, Dorothy. Hello. Dorothy, are you there? All right, well, we'll let them figure out the phones. 866-999-4626 is our number. That's 866-999-4626. Our email address is thepointatcapeandislands.org. Let's try again and see if Dorothy's there. Dorothy, are you there? No. Oh, there there you are. Hi. Yeah, go ahead, Dorothy. Hi. Uh, I don't think we have Dorothy. All right, how about Christy in Harwich? Let's go to Christy in Harwich. Hi, Christy good morning
2: good morning uh i heard a comment before that um if you have a gene that predisposes you for something uh that changing your habits can affect that does that hold true for alcoholism
1: um i don't know the data specifically about it um i can um i have to look at it but generally um Generally, it's been known, and epigenetics covers many illnesses, it has been known that um, other aspects of our lifestyle exposure can turn off or turn on the gene. Um, so specifically about alcohol, I don't know the data. Uh, I can only kind of um, extrapolate from the other data that I know. Yeah, so, but that's a good question. A good yeah,
0: question. Christy, thank, thank you for that. Um, so there are foods that can stop cancer cells, right? That like, and and they are what the antioxidants is that what those are, yeah,
1: correct, yeah. So there is uh, many um, many steps that happens in a cell from going from being a normal cell to a cancer cell, and it it starts with uh, the cell's um, kind of the core nucleus, the the, the genetic material, uh, those areas um, getting getting a hit uh, from cells wear and tear, um, and the wear and tear uh, has a name for it. Uh, it's called oxidant. Uh, and when we have enough antioxidants, which is in colorful uh, fruits and vegetables uh, and leafy greens, uh, they work to minimize the damage to these cells' uh, DNA, uh, genetic material. Uh, and that way, it prevents um, that particular cell from becoming a cancer cell. So that's just one angle. I talked about uh, plant nutrients or phytochemicals or phytonutrients. They help uh, in another uh, way to help prevent cancers. Uh, body has an ability to uh, kill off uh, cancer cells by itself. Like they can, body has an in- ingenious way to identify cancer cells and just kill them off. Yeah, uh, It's called apoptosis. And eating uh, plant foods helps the body's mechanism to uh, kill off these bad cells. Uh, Body has a way to repair damaged DNA. So it's like imagine there's a little tailor sitting in the cells and sewing up all the torn DNA. Body, um, the plant foods, uh, basically boosts up the energy of this tailor fixing up uh, the broken DNA inside the cells.
0: Yeah, body's amazing, isn't it? it? So amazing. All right, now let's try Dorothy calling from Sandwich. Hi, Dorothy.
2: Hi, Mindy. Hi, Doctor Sid. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can, we can, hear, can hear you, Doctor. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, great. Well, so first of all, I wanted to thank you so much for this wonderful show. And Doctor Sid, I wanted to commend you for all of your work in helping improve the health of our neighbors, and for the wonderful way you explain things, so it's so understandable. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank for you, Dorothy. I appreciate you. All
0: right, Lisa, Lisa's giving us a call from Brewster. Hi, Lisa.
2: Hello, this is Leisha from Brewster, and I'm also calling to thank Dr. Siddhartha, and I am plant-based. And one of the things that has really helped me is to be more aware of my environment on fresh foods and vegetables and how Cape Cod needs a little bit more help in getting there, and our farmer's markets have improved And the animal situation, becoming more mindful of that. And what I really loved about the book, I read the book, and I really love how it's just so important to listen to your body Mm -hmm. and get the message.
0: Lisa, let me ask you, when did you change over to a plant-based diet?
2: Uh, Well, I've been a vegetarian probably for 20 years, but say the last 10, I've been plant-based. Yeah. And and I feel great. I was going to say, how do you feel? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I feel great. And I've had lots of, like, say I had some injuries from fractures and i've healed really quickly everybody's surprised at how well my Mm body healed and you know so thank you Uh,
0: lisa i just want to to ask you one more question because i know there's a lot of folks who get inspired like like i was every time i talk to dr Sid, i'm like i'm going to do that but it's so hard so give us some some tips on on how we make this transition
2: well, I think, like he says in the book, your four best friends will help you and who you hang out with. Mm-hmm. Like when you have support for going plant-based, it's it makes a huge difference in your small circle. But also there's so many great documentaries out right now. And I think the more we can add information, the more we can stay focused on that and listen to our bodies. It's right. just so easy to be plant-based right now. All
0: right, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for all of that. That was that was great. Thank you, you Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emily is giving us a call from Chilmark. Hi, Emily.
2: Hi. Um, I'm just wondering what the best way to get rid of sugar cravings is, mm. and also how do you spell the doctor's last name? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, sugar cravings are are yeah tough. And I will I will tell you, Emily. We uh, will have a link with a. a, a the book, you know, at our website capenislands.org. But go ahead, sugar cravings.
1: Yeah, Emily, thanks for the co- thanks for the question. Um, sugar cravings. So um, the way to um, do that is to um, uh, work with the body and um, give a little bit of what it needs um, while transition is happening. Um, and so what I what I talked about is the taste um, buds and their receptors. The threshold is set high, so. Um, The closest that comes to sugar in the whole food plant-based world is the fruit dates. So dates is wholesome and it's very sweet. Mm -hmm. So... um, figuring out ways to incorporate dates as a replacement for the kind of the, the sweet fix. So for dessert, we all have, pop a yeah. date. Yeah. Pop a date mm-hmm. or dates. Nowadays, they have date syrup. You know, we can also mm-hmm. soak the dates and you can prepare it yourself, but they sell date syrup too. So dates basically mm-hmm. is wholesome. So just during transitions, using things like dates um, is going to be helpful um, and um, help reset the threshold as to when the the, the food is feeling Sweet, mm-hmm. uh, and that will be my my initial reaction. Yeah, to that.
0: and another thing you mentioned, I think, would be helpful too uh, for Emily is don't buy it. Don't don't put the you know c- candy and cookies and all that. If you don't buy it, you're going to go for what you have at home, which might be the dates. Or I'm a big clementine fan. I'm I bet I eat four or five clementines a day. I want something sweet. I grab a clementine. That's, so yeah, yeah.
1: I, I totally agree. Yeah. So what we have around close to us is what we're going to go for. So not having them around. So the the decisions are we make those key decisions while we are pushing the cart in the store. That's yeah. when to make those decisions.
0: Yeah, and and don't and if you fall off the wagon, don't worry about it. You just get back, you know, pick it up yeah. again. So you yeah. say start slow. Don't worry if you know you can't do it all at once. Exactly. Just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, uh, thank you for the thank call. You, Emily. 866-999-4626 is our number. Our email address, thepoint, at capeandislands.org We're talking with Dr. Siddhartha about his new book, All My Secrets, Messages of Health from Your Body, Decoded. And we'll talk more after a quick break. You're listening to The Point. We're talking with Dr. Kumar Siddhartha, internist and primary care physician who's adopted a whole health approach in the treatment and prevention of chronic disease in his patients. His book is All My Secrets, Messages of Health from Your Body, Decoded. 866-999-4626 is our number. Our email address is org. Vicki is giving us a call from Centerville. Hi, Vicki.
2: Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I uh... Good morning, Dr. Sid. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on using oil uh, mm. when you cook.
1: So, thank you for the question. Um, the optimal way to nourish the body is to use wholesome foods. Oh, So, that would mean um, eating olives instead of olive oil. Hmm. Um, so when we take out the oil from the whole wholesome natural package of olives, um, we lose out um, uh, some fiber and, and the good good stuff in it. That's one part of the, 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 the issue when we take out the oil alone and, and consume it. The other part is that um, every vegetable oil that is on the planet, human-made, uh, is been um, shown to uh, affect the arteries um, in our system. So there is a simple way to test whether an oil is affecting the artery or not. Um, we call it uh, a tonicity test. So every every one of you listening to this radio show uh, have had probably had a blood pressure checked at your doctor's office. So when the blood pressure che- is checked, they raise the blood pressure cuff pressure. Uh, which at that moment, what happens is we all know that it, it hurts our arm because the blood circulation is getting cut off to the hands. And um, during that time, that temporary shutting off, very little shut off of the blood flow, is the most powerful stimulant for the arteries to widen out that we all, we, we know of. Whenever there is a circulation getting, getting cut off, immediately the artery, the lining of the artery, puts out a particular element called nitric oxide to open up the artery widely to let more blood flow coming in to rescue that area, right, which is getting cut off. So the ability and the health of the artery is, is understood well by knowing how well it can immediately react to such a blood pressure cuff raising. So we do ultrasounds on the arteries easily to measure the diameter or the girth of the artery before and after, a blood pressure cuff. And immediately after the blood pressure cuff is raised and let go, the artery diameter needs to get bigger normally, and that says that the health of the artery is good. And studies using olive oil or any other vegetable oil has shown that after the consumption of oil, when they repeat the test, the diameter of the artery does not widen, which means it immediately impacts the health of the artery.
0: Mm. So what do you use to cook with if you don't use oil? What do
1: you use? Um, any of the um, any of the cuisines, any of the cooking that needs um, to sauté, mm-hmm. uh, sauté with water. Really? Yes. Okay. And there are cooking videos out there online. You can yeah. find out how to sauté things without oil. There's m- many ways to do that. I mean, uh, I guess
0: you can, love and you can cook on parchment paper, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: There are many ways All to right. do that,
0: yeah. Um, Jennifer writes, how do you feel about a vegan diet for American children and teens? Would they get enough protein and fat for the developing brain?
1: Yes. Uh, so... Um, Uh, The um, organizations of um, American Dietetic Association, um, many researchers uh, and coming together to find out whether can someone get enough protein and nutrients through a whole food plant-based diet has repeatedly confirmed, yes, they can. Uh, And in all stages of life, whether it's a, a teenager, a growing kid, a pregnant woman, an athlete, an elderly, everybody's needs are different when it comes to protein and other nutrients and all those needs can be met. It just takes a little bit of proper planning uh, to kind of uh, talk to a a dietitian or or somebody who is aware of this to understand Mm -hmm. it a little better and then once it's done, it's easy to do it. The only... um, a recommendation I usually give is um, uh, to take vitamin B twelve as a as a supplement uh, for anybody, especially anybody who's over fifty, regardless of what diet they're on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good idea. Uh, similarly, if you're if you're sun expo- if you're living in like northeast um, because of the sun exposure, we don't get much um, for s- at least six months, I guess, in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then vitamin D is an option there to think about. Those right. are the only two nutrients. Otherwise, no concerns.
0: Okay, Gwen is giving us a call from Provincetown. Hi, Gwen.
2: Hi, um, you might have answered it just now, but I'm curious about um, women's bodies in particular. I work at helping our women, and um, I'm just wondering, especially not just women's bodies, but and after menopause or, or during and after menopause, are there any particular um, points you would make uh, beyond what you've already shared, the general points around the plant-based and, and the Getting some help with uh,
1: dieticians, in particular. Yeah, good question. well, uh, I, mean, I think all the things I've said uh, applies for before menopause and after menopause. Honestly, um, but for women generally, I would, uh, I would encourage them to, um, to kind of keep an eye on uh, certain cancer risks, like breast cancer, for example. So making sure that you're getting the lignans uh, from adding two tablespoons of flaxseed powder every day. Uh, is going to help counter that risk of uh, postmenopausal breast cancers. Uh, Having um, soy. Mm -hmm. Um, Soy has gone through um, needless uh, controversies in the past, uh, whether it's going to actually cause more harm. And now we clearly know that uh, eating wholesome soy products, wholesome, not processed, Mm -hmm. wholesome soy for women, uh, postmenopausal, premenopausal, actually helps them to um, reduce the risk of um, breast cancer, both hormonally um, sensitive cancers and um, what we call as like triple negative, you know, not hormonal sensory cancers, it helps that.
0: Another piece of the whole health approach is exercise and we all know the importance of exercise but finding the time to exercise can be a challenge for some folks. So what's your advice uh, for people who find it hard to start to exercise? Again, do you start slow? Walk? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think start where you are and uh, you can, you know, you can do stuff at home to keep, keep, um, keep your body moving uh, and, you can use your own body's weight to mm-hmm. to load your muscles instead of buying weights right so there are many ways to kind of work with what you got um you know if you, if you can't go outdoors be during winter there are ways to figure out indoors so i would start with uh, as i said uh, start uh, small and, and build up um i'm starting even with like 10 minutes three times a week if somebody is like totally sedentary mm-hmm. 10 minutes, three times a week. That's 30 minutes a week, right? Starting there is a good idea. And then building up to, you know, we want to aim for... Uh, one and a half to two hours a week, but that's kind of eventually getting there. Right,
0: but, and probably not a bad idea to check with your uh, general practitioner before you start any huge exercise program if you haven't been doing anything. Right, you want to, You don't want to, You uh, don't yeah. want to like all of a sudden do it uh, more than you can handle, and then you end yeah. up hurting yourself. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Any
1: yeah. of these recommendations yeah. we're talking about, yeah. good to check with a professional. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then stress management is important uh, for a healthy lifestyle. So explain stress can really do a number on you. Right. So. Being mindful. What do we do about to manage some of the stress?
1: Yeah, so um, I think stress comes into role also in the food choices we make, right? Sometimes, to be for, for boredom or for stress, people make um, the, the not so healthy choices. So mm-hmm. it kinda connects there as well. Uh, I mean, the the way to you know want to look at you know what are who are the support system we have in your in your life, right? So who's your support system? Uh, who are your four for buddies in your world think about that I put that in the book too and also uh, practices you know what other type of practices you can do whether it is uh, just a walk if that that's what helps you to kind of stay in the moment now and here Um, whether it is a prayer whether it is a mindfulness meditation whatever it is that kind of brings you to the now and here rather than thinking about tomorrow's um, you know tasks and schedule or worrying about, uh, I should have done this yesterday, or I should have said this in a different way that mm-hmm. day. So just coming back to now and here, whatever practice that is, whether it's meditation, walk, um, music, um, yeah. or okay. cooking.
0: Paul is giving us a call from Mattapoisit. Hi, Paul. Uh, hello, uh, thank you. Um, this may be backing up a little bit, but I, I have a question about ultra processed foods. Mm-hmm. I've, in my house, we we've almost completely given up meat, but that that's more out of concern for the animals and and our carbon footprint than 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 being a big health thing. And as a result, we eat an awful lot of pasta, and and I have a huge bowl of Cheerios every morning. And you know, is that a problem? <laughs> you have any advice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're already, you know, way ahead uh, in general compared to an average intake out there in the nation. So um, congratulations on that, Paul. Um, And the aspects, so for example, the morning breakfast uh, cereal and all, generally um, the um, the more wholesome fruits you add to that breakfast, the better, not just have the grains alone. So that's one way to kind of bring in more nutrients in, bring in more fiber into that. And um, generally, I recommend like grains in the morning for breakfast uh, to something that you cook. um, If you can, some some things, you know, you need like seven or eight minutes to cook an oatmeal or you can just do an overnight oats. Right. Uh, Instead of pouring it from a box, anything that we pour from a box, uh, we tend to pour more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, All right. Paul. Thank you. Um, you have recipes in the back of the book, and I actually told you I, I made. You have the peach baked oatmeal, and you said for folks who maybe don't like that consistency of of oatmeal. So I made it, but I made it with blueberries. I've actually brought it in. Um, look, Dan's giving it a thumbs up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, it was pretty easy, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and there's some. I'm I'm going to try the lemon meringue chai pudding. Also sounds pretty good. I haven't had a chance to try that yet. So, so I, I, if folks have the book. They can try some of the recipes in the back, and there's plenty of websites as well with loads of recipes that you can you can look at, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I
1: think at the end of the day, I think it's it's about you know getting these new experiences that are fun, tasty, and nutritious, and and kind of um, a way to advocate for your own body, you know, right. for yourself. Yeah. So yeah.
0: All right. Carolyn writes: Is there a connection between sugar and Alzheimer's? Definitely um, inflammation, though, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So yes, in many ways, it, it, it does have a connection to it. Um, sugar does. Also, um, fat it does. Also, uh, the type of protein does. So it's not just about the sugar. So are they, are they, you know, it, it is about how overall our body is able to um, balance the uh, sugar levels, and it relates to our gut health. Um, so I, I was I was in a recent event and a lot of the time questions I was answering, it's about the gut health and the gut bacteria. So I said I should have named one of the chapters as the all roads lead to the gut. Yeah. Um, so because gut has a huge influence in what this question as well about sugar and brain health. Um, so brain cells are very um, fragile when it comes to sugar levels outside the door of the brain cell. Having... Um, a, a ma- well-maintained sugar level helps to not have too much insulin because insulin is poured into the system to f- fix the high sugar levels. Having a high insulin level around the brain cells environment is damaging to the brain, and it has been shown to lead to Alzheimer's disease. So, yeah, sugar, also fats, um, and animal protein, all of them come into the mix in disturbing or balance of blood sugar levels.
0: So changes in diet, stress management, and exercise can prevent disease, but it's also been shown to help people manage chronic disease. Right. So, can you give us some examples of some of your patients who've successfully managed their disease with lifestyle changes? You give that in the book.
1: Yes. Yeah. So um, I have uh, many examples, but I've quoted a few in, in the in in the stories that is in the book. Uh, diabetes is an example. I had the, I, I, I talk about the patient who had a, a blood sugar of more than four hundred, um, and finally, you know, bringing it down to less than. Hundred and um, so uh, diabetes is an example. Heart disease. It's been pr- shown in many studies now that somebody who has a blocked artery, an artery that is blocked, uh, can be dissolved. Uh, mm. The blockage go, you know, can be dissolved uh, with the whole food plant based diet um, and with a, with a good regimen. Uh, and uh, so um, when there are illnesses and gut gut diseases uh, related to you know Crohn's inflammation uh, ulcerative colitis. Um, arthritis, pain. Um, so um, many of these illnesses, and of course, excess body weight, all of that mm-hmm. it comes into the mix. Yeah.
0: What about chicken? I think last time you were on, I was like, so chicken it has something in it that is creates inflammation, right? Yes. So here so, we think chicken's maybe a healthier choice than red meat, but not not so
1: much. Not so much, Cor- correct. So so there is, when it comes to the building blocks of what makes up the protein, they're called amino acids. They're like the bricks on a wall. So imagine two types of bricks are there. You know, One wall is be- built with a certain bricks and the other one with the other type. Similarly, protein, animal protein versus plant protein, are made up of different bricks, different building blocks. Uh, one has more sulfur, that is the animal protein. The other one doesn't have um, sulfur-dominant bricks, so to speak. So that uh, sulfur-dominant uh, building uh, blocks of animal protein... Um, creates uh, the issues uh, that we are talking about here. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, another back to my 83-year-old lady in the book, she was the one that also talked about belly laughs. Yes. Belly laughs are really important, right? So, if anything else, look up some comedy shows or like do some belly laughs um, are very healthy.
1: Correct. Humor um, and laughter has been shown to stimulate our vagus nerve, um, And uh, the vagus nerve is a nerve that travels from the brain down through the chest into the abdomen uh, beyond our diaphragm. And it gets stimulated whenever there is a a, 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 a laughter uh, that involves uh, abdomen. Whenever there is uh, soft belly breathing that is done in like a meditation, yoga breathing. Uh, All of that stimulates the vagus nerve. It slows down the heart rate. It slows down... um, the uh, energy requirement for the cells, and it increases the sense of well-being and increases our oxygen that is in our system. So uh, absolutely, laughter is a part of the medicine.
0: Yeah. So just in the last uh, minute or so that, that we have, or a minute and a half, um, getting started, oh, fish oil. Jenny's asking about fish oil. Is fish oil uh, that's the same same as like using the other oils, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, any oil uh, is a concern. So if the, somebody's using fish oil for omega three reasons, um, as I said, uh, um, when this is a good example. This is a good question. So so imagine fish oil that has the oil that has that uh, the, the omega three in it, right? Imagine flax powder as a comparison. It has the fiber in it, which the fish mm-hmm. oil doesn't have. The flax powder has lignans in it, which is anti-cancer, kicks all kinds of cancer. With the fish oil, so that's what happens when we take out a particular oil, we miss out on the other ingredients. Yeah. So flax powder better than fish oil.
0: Yeah. So um, to sum up, basically, you want to start small. Don't get overwhelmed. Just you know, it, it, cut out red meat, then maybe cut out the rest, and and just introduce yourself to some of these um, plant-based whole foods slowly. Correct. So introducing, you know, pick a day of the
1: week and try to introduce one or two uh, meals for the week to be swapped uh, to a whole food plant based, uh, replacing the protein as well in that uh, to a plant protein. And then, uh, you know, after a few weeks, you're going to you know, pick out one or two that you like and then just keep that as part of the regular
0: menu and then keep experimenting and adding more. The book is All My Secrets, Messages of Health from Your Body Decoded. Dr. Kumar Siddhartha, we'll have a link with uh, more information at our website, capeandislands.org. Thanks so much for for being here. Thanks for writing the book.
1: Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, I appreciate it.
0: I'm Indy Todd. Thanks for listening. The Point is produced by Amy Vince. The executive producer is Mindy Todd. Production assistance from Jenny Junker and Dan Tridle. Theme music by Benjamin Berdery and William Coulter.